Hello, welcome to He's Hot, but something's off of me, just Joey T. How are you doing out in the internet today? Uh, there is this one car that I think they are in the apartment next to ours, the next building over, and it's a very loud car. Like the engine and the exhaust is really, really loud. And it's so loud that from one building over from inside my apartment, no matter what I'm doing, I can have the TV on, I can have music on, I can always hear that car start up. It's an extremely loud car. My car is actually pretty loud. So my car has uh, an optional exhaust package that came from the factory with like an extra loud exhaust, but it's not like um, obnoxiously loud. It's not like those, sometimes you see those sports cars that like, just cruise down Santa Monica Boulevard at like five or 10 miles an hour. And all they do is like rev the engine. My car is not like that loud. Oh, actually there is, there's this one black Beamer in my building and I don't know which unit drives it. It's like some guy and the like three or four times where I happen to be in the garage while that car is like pulling in or pulling out of the garage. He drives like too fast for a tiny little parking garage for this like apartment building. Like when you're in a parking garage, you do not need to rev your engine and you don't need to like floor it and like screw your tires or anything like that. One time I tried to, one time I saw him try to park. Um, I was doing laundry. Our laundry is in our uh, parking garage level and I was walking to do laundry. And then he was like pulling trying to park. He sounds like, Either he really doesn't know how to park or maybe he's driving a manual and he doesn't know his how to use his clutch because he was just giving it like way too much gas and like just way too much revs on the engine. So I like, you know, in general, I like uh, a good sounding car, like a V8 that's got like, you know, like a nice sounding exhaust. I'm a car person, so I appreciate that. Except, you know, like you don't need to rev your engine in, you know, like, a, a, a small little parking lot like that in an apartment building. Like there's honestly like no one is impressed. How small is your fucking dick, right? So there's like this one car. It's like, it's just this one black Beamer in my building. It's just like, you don't need to squeak your tires and floor it in and out of the parking garage, honestly. Anyways, um, as we are recording this, I'm recording this a little earlier than usual. Uh, I am currently packing to go to Chicago for market day. So uh, when this goes up on Thursday, I'll already be in Chicago. Uh, I love going to Chicago for market days. And it's not technically the Chicago Pride. Market Day is like a separate event. But I feel like Pride in a lot of U.S. cities is pretty similar. There is a parade one day of uh, the weekend usually. And there is like all, all that bars and clubs and stuff, gay bars and gay clubs. They've got stuff going on. There's usually some amount of circuit parties that uh, are thrown over the weekend. And some cities might have like a street fair or like some sort of outdoor thing. And that's where I think that's the chance where cities can make their Pride Weekend unique because bars and clubs, uh, at least in the U.S., in the major cities here, you know, one gay bar is not so different than another gay bar you know every major u.s city have uh gay bars and clubs that they're known for right if you go to like san francisco you go to like the castro in la you go to WeHo, and you know in new york you go to hell's kitchen you know, like the typical like gay 
neighborhood where all the bars are, yeah, each of these cities have kind of like the famous or popular gay bars and clubs that they have. But honestly, none of them are so wildly different. You go to one gay bar, you kind of sort of know how all the other gay bars kind of work. So I think I like Market Days is because of the outdoor uh, festival that they have. Uh, it's on Saturdays and Sundays, and it's right in kind of like the gay neighborhood. And um, that means uh, it's not just like the regular street fairs where you have like vendors and food and kind of like the pop-up stuff. You know, it's also kind of includes um, some of the gay bars and clubs that they have. It's just like just right on this one street where all the everything is. Um so, like, the street fair, I feel like it's a lot of fun. Uh, in we For WeHo Pride, um, they did have, like, a similar thing this year. Uh, There's actually, a, like, a Ferris wheel and all that kind of stuff. But the one here, I felt like it was completely separate from the gay bars and stuff. The one in Chicago for Market Day is really fun because they've got different stages um, available. Oh, the food there is really good. Remember, the food there is really, really good. The other unique thing about... Um, the street fair for Chicago Market Days is that there's a Steamworks in Chicago. Uh, there's only like not there's actually not that many Steamworks locations. Like most cities have like a gay bathhouse, but it's kind of sort of unique in that in Chicago you have like one of the big name bathhouses, which is Steamworks, and it's like right in the middle of Boys Town. It's like right in the middle of like the gay neighborhood. It's one of the oh, are we going to spill the tea? It's like. One of the few times of the year where I may go to a gay bathhouse, because even in LA, I'm sure they exist. I've never been to one. In Vancouver, in Canada, there is uh, another Steamworks uh, that I have been to like a few times. But that's really only because like I grew up in Vancouver and like I visit Vancouver all the time. Uh, To be honest, I haven't been to a Steamworks in like several years I think because obviously the pandemic, that kind of stuff only reopened, I think maybe earlier this year or maybe last year. Um, and yeah, even when I was in Vancouver, oh uh, yeah, it was, that was definitely pre-pandemic. That, that was like the last time that I went. But um, yeah, um, just something about Chicago as well, the city. I just really like the vibe of it. So I uh, really enjoyed going to Market Days. I've been to Market Days Three or four times. I was kind of sort of on the fence about going this year, but um, I found out that there were some friends that were going, uh, some other people I knew that were there. I have some, I have some good friends that actually live in Chicago as well. So it's like, cool, let's do it. Um, you know, not a super far uh, plane ride from LA to Chicago. So I'm packing and doing all that, and I'll be flying out there in a few days. Speaking of flying, I just got back from Vancouver. I was up there just for a few days to visit some family. And one thing I wanted to talk about was tips for going to the airport. So I fly all the time. I've mentioned it before. Um, It's very autopilot for me to like pack, go to the airport, go through security, the TSA, go through like password control, that kind of stuff. Um, get on a plane, all that kind of stuff. It's very, very easy. It's very, very second nature, only because I do it so much. Like at least once a month, I would take a trip. Sometimes it's like two or three times a month, I would do um, a trip somewhere, a fly uh, to fly somewhere. But um, when I fly these days, I drive to LAX, 
I park in the economy parking, which is off the, not where the terminals are. You take a shuttle, um, and then it will stop at all the different terminals, and that's how you get to the terminal. So uh, one thing that always catches my ear uh, is when passengers on that shuttle to the terminals, when uh, they know what airline they're flying, but they have no idea what terminal they're supposed to go to. And um, a lot of the times, um, they'll try to ask the bus driver uh, whether they know, like, oh, I'm flying Alaska. Um, like, you know, like, can you drop us off at Alaska? But I don't know if the shuttle bus drivers for the economy parking are particularly um, chatty, or maybe they just get asked the question so often that they just kind of sort of give up. Some of the drivers will be like, okay, you're Alaska, uh, that's that terminal, whatever, I'll drop you off there. This last time that I was flying out to Vancouver last week, and there were people that were on vacation that they clearly don't fly very much. They knew what airline they were going to, but have no idea like, oh, there are different terminals at the airport. They were just like, oh, they got on the shuttle, and they're like, they have no idea where to get off. And I, I think they try to yell from the back of the shuttle to like the bus driver, which I guess like the bus driver either didn't hear it because it was so noisy or they just don't respond. If you're just trying to yell from the back, maybe it's like walk up there and like have a conversation that way anyways. So it was like these two or three families are like, they were on the, they're trying to go on a family vacation. I guess it's the height of summer, all these families go on vacation. They just had like no idea where they're going. The only thing I did remember besides that was it took 25 minutes for that shuttle to like make its way because there were so many people um, traveling. People had like tons of luggage. People had their kits and everything. And for me, I was like just in the, in the back little corner of the back of the bus. And I was just like, I, I, I was trying to, just ignore everything that was going on around me because I was just like, I'm just trying to get to my terminal. Terminal 7 is the last terminal it stops at, and it stops at every other terminal before it stops at Terminal 7, which is the one I need. So I was like, I just want to get to my terminal. I just want to get to my terminal. And it was taking forever. Um, what I thought I would do is, for those of you that don't fly that much, if you have a trip coming up, uh, I just want to give you a few tips for like getting to the airport and maybe even some tips for getting through uh, security or getting through the TSA. I feel like people that don't fly very much um, going through security and TSA, the extent of knowledge they have about the TSA is only the news articles uh, that come out once in a while about how jam-packed the airports are, how busy travel is, that you have to show up like three hours or some stupid shit before your flight or something like that, how much random stuff the TSA finds, and sometimes if there's like an incident at the TSA at a checkpoint because of this or that or whatever, I feel like if you don't fly very much, but you do watch the news all the time, that's you don't have a great perception of the TSA. But it's very, very simple. So let me give you some tips. Um, Know the terminal you're going to. So know which terminal you're going to. Like, if you're going to take an Uber or something, I mean, uh, sometimes the Uber will know where to drop you off. Sometimes you don't. But you need to know where you're going. It's great that you know what airline you're flying with. But you need to know, okay, I need to look up my flight status before I leave the house. You can just log onto the internet. You know what flight you're taking. It's like, 
Alaska one two three four or something. You just Google that. You just put in Alaska one two three four, and then it pops up the status. Like Google does all the work for you, literally, uh, and it'll tell you like what terminal you're supposed to be at and what your gate number is. The gate number is subject to change, but like at least know what terminal you're at because I just can't believe how many people on this shuttle bus that I take all the time. How many people have no idea what terminal they're going to get off at? I'm sure a lot of these people have just gone off the wrong terminal with all their luggage, and then they spend probably like 15, 20 minutes figuring out how to get to the right terminal. Um, There's another bus for that, by the way. Um, Yeah, so just know which terminal you're going to uh, before you head to the airport. Go to the right airport. Uh, I've, I've heard stories of people not going to the right airport in cities where there are multiple airports, in like New York, for example, um, are you going to LaGuardia? Are you going to Newark? Are you going to uh, JFK? Because there's three different airports you'd be going to. If you go to the wrong airport, uh, it could take way too long to get to the right airport, and you might just miss your flight. So there you go. It's not super common, though. Not a lot of cities have, like, tons of different airports. Now, I never get to a flight three hours before. I think the standard recommendation is that you get there two hours before, right? But then uh, when they had some, like, issues with some of the airports earlier this year or, like, last year when they said, oh, it was, like, too busy or when there's, like, weather and that kind of stuff, and they said, oh, you should go extra early, get there, like, three hours before. No one needs to be there for three hours before. I think the only thing most people need extra time for is to get through security, but sometimes there's a lineup for that. Now, I will show up at the terminal literally less than an hour before the flight departs. And the flight boards like 40 minutes before. I show up like uh, like an hour or sometimes like a little less. Uh, so if the flight is scheduled for 11 a.m., I'll get there at like 10 a.m. And then I have 20 minutes to get through security or do whatever I need to do, fill my water bottle, and then usually 40 minutes for my flight, that's when it starts boarding. And I usually board like early on in the process. Now, I don't recommend this. And I only do this because of um, two things. One, I have TSA pre-check. And two, I have a clear membership. So ba- this basically means I almost never wait more than like one or two, maybe five minutes at the very most to go through the checkpoint and then when i do get to the front of the line of the checkpoint um i don't have to take my liquids out i don't have to take my laptop out i don't have to take my tablets out i don't have to take my shoes i don't have to take my jacket things like that because i'm in the pre-check line um and most people are not in that line so i basically like from getting to the terminal to getting through security is usually like less than 10 minutes and then i just have like 10 or 15 minutes to kill before i need to board so for me that's just like waste of time but that's how that's how that's how close i cut it and that doesn't work for most people by the way if you can get pre-checked like please go get pre-checked even if you only fly like twice a year because a lot of people only fly maybe a couple times a year for like christmas or thanksgiving or like a summer vacation like if you if that's you like you please go get pre-checked. It might be like, I don't know how much it costs, like 50 bucks or like 100 bucks or something. If you're going to travel during the summer or you're going to travel during, like especially during the holidays, pre-check will like save your life. It is like, even if you only do it like during the major holidays, you only fly for like Memorial Day or Thanksgiving or like Christmas or, or New Year's or something like that. You only fly like maybe twice a year or something. If you fly on the major holidays in the U.S., 
get pre-check. There have been times where if I didn't have pre-check, I would have missed my flight. Like Again, I'm cutting it close, but like, yeah, it, it, it's just the lineups get so long. The regular lineups, I don't technically know how long the regular lineups are because it's been so long since I've been in a regular lineup at an airport. I'm always on the pre-check and I'm always on the clear line nowadays. But I've seen that line sometimes out of the corner of my eye and it's like, that lineup's got to take like an hour or like 45 minutes. And it's, especially during the big major holidays, like that's going to be an even longer wait. It's just not worth it to like have to waste all this time to like get to the airport like super, super early and be standing in this line for like over an hour, you know, when it's like, you know, uh, a busy time of the year to get through security. I think like spending, I, I'm going to, I'm going to Google this right now. I just really don't think it's, it's worth most people's time to like be standing in that lineup for so long. A lot of um, airlines will like, if you have some sort of status or you just sign up for the membership, sometimes you get it for discounted, um, like a discount off the pre-check uh, fare. Or uh, if you have like some sort of travel credit card, sometimes those reimburse you the fee, but like pre-check has saved my life. I will never travel without pre-check in the U S but yeah, um, just get pre-checked, basically. I don't know how much it is. Google it. It can't cost that much. I think it's like 55 bucks or something like that. 55 bucks, even Munify, like twice a year during the holidays or something like that. It's, you're, you're going to be like, wow, I'm glad I spent the $55. Seriously, for sure. The other thing I want to give tips on is going through the security, like actually going through the TSA, where you actually get to the front of that security line, and you have to, like, get all your stuff scanned through the x-ray, and they have to, like, walk through the body scanner. I don't understand all the people that wear... Okay, let's just, let's just break this down. Like, don't wear, don't wear a belt, because the amount of times, countless amount of times that I've seen guys fumble with taking off the belt, which seems like a very uh, not elegant thing to do in public judging by like all these guys that just like kind of struggle i'm surprised how many people struggle to take off their belt you can't just like whip it out i don't wear a belt so i don't know these things but all these people that are wearing like first of all straight guys who are wearing pants that are way too big for them therefore necessitating the belt like without the belt the pants would just like f and fall off the second thing is they almost never ever remember to take off their belt um, until like they are about to walk through the scanner and they set the scanner off and then like the TSA agent tells them, do you, are you wearing a belt? Or do you have anything in your pocket? They're like, oh, I'm wearing a belt. And then now they have to put the belt through the x-ray scanner. But then by the time you are, you know, doing that, two other people have put their luggage onto the belt and like they have to cram it in somehow. It's just very, very messy. Um, I would say if you're going to be flying on a plane, wear pants that don't need a belt. For that plane ride, I think maybe in like the old golden days of uh, flying, I don't know, back in like the 60s or 70s or something like that, it was more of an occasion to fly. So like people dressed up a little bit to fly. I think these days, unless you need to go to a meeting immediately right after you get off the plane, like there's no need to like, you know, wear nice pants that actually require you to have a belt like there's no one on a plane that's going to care whether you're wearing a belt or not and if your pants are so loose that without the belt they fall off like go buy 
proper pants. Like your pants should not be that loose. Seriously, the amount of times that I've seen guys like walk through the scanner, the belt sets off the alarm. Now they have to like cram their belt onto the x-ray belt between other people's luggage, like somehow, and then have to walk through again. And then the, the final kicker is guys that have to do that. I don't know what it is. It's not that hard to put on the belt, right? But it's not, not the most easy thing. I, yeah, but I see guys struggle to put their belt back on afterwards. It's like, um, I don't know. It's, I, I just can't understand how it's so hard for all these people to put in the belt. But they, but they look like they're really not having a good time to put their belt on. They, they, they kind of sort of look like they're like solving a puzzle or it's like a Rubik's Cube or something, putting their belt back on, getting this like belt through all the loops and everything seems like a stressful experience for like all these people. But like, so my recommendation, my tip is don't wear a belt to the airport. You don't need a belt on the plane ride. If you need to go to a business meeting right after the plane ride, just change into your nice clothes after you land like you i'm sure you can spare like two minutes of time to just change afterwards like for the people that are if you literally need to go from the airport to the office like you can um, even then yeah i'm sure you can spare two minutes to go into the bathroom and just change into your clothes and also that way the clothes that you wear into your i guess very important business meeting that you're flying to doesn't get like all wrinkled and scuffed up from lugging luggage around and sitting on the plane and like walking through airports and you know whatever right like you get to change into some fresh pants or suit or whatever people wear to business meetings these days that's so important that you have to fly and go directly to it or whatever yeah so I just never really understood that the other thing is that I find funny is when people are boarding a plane and they're holding everything in their hands. Like, they've got no pockets. So, like, I don't know. It's always so weird. So, I actually board kind of part of, like, the... Uh, uh, I board very, fairly early for most of the flights that I take. So, I get to see other people walk down the aisle. I get to see 90% of the plane of the passengers walk down the aisle. I'm just, like, sitting there getting settled. And it's amazing how many people have to hold on to everything in their hands as they board the plane, as if they can't put them away, like they'll hold like a drink and their phone and their paper ticket and like a notebook and like a pillow and their headphones. Like people are holding a million different things as they're like walking down the very narrow tight aisles of the airplanes. I'm like, don't you have pockets for these things? Honestly, the only thing you need to have in your hand is luggage and if you have like a drink of coffee or something, yeah, you're holding on to that. If you bought some food, like t like takeaway food in the terminal that you're gonna eat on the plane, yeah, you're maybe you're holding the takeout bag. But yeah, it's like some of these people they're holding on to like everything, and like yeah, I just find confusing when people make things intentionally difficult for themselves. Like, do you need to hold on to like your? You need to hold on to I don't know all that stuff. Do you need to hold on to like? your makeup and your mascara and your cell phone and like your dog and like your whatever, it's all that stuff. So that's, that's my second tip is like, you wear pants with wear pants with pockets and you know, you don't need to hold on to everything. Like, oh, you don't need to hold on to your phone, honestly. Once you're on the plane, you just put your phone in your pocket so that, you know, you can have your hands free to, 
hold your luggage and not be bumping all your shit into other people, which is another one of my pet peeves. Anyways, I don't want this to turn into like a rant, but yeah. So advice is don't wear belt. Don't wear a belt to the airport and don't hold on to all your shit when you're boarding a plane. So there you go. I should probably write some blog articles on my website. I think maybe that's like a more appropriate place for me to give some travel advice. The uh, Anyways, my trip to Vancouver was pretty good. I uh, saw my niece and nephew. I uh, always like I hang out with them. I hung out with, uh, a lot with my niece this time because uh, my nephew was uh, with my um, sister and brother-in-law, um, kind of sort of doing his own thing. Uh, but uh, my mom was babysitting uh, my niece most of the time, so I hung out with uh, her a bunch. And she's four years old now, so uh, they are. Well, they're, I was gonna say they're teaching her like the numbers and like the alphabets. I don't think they're teaching her that, but they got her um, some books so to like write their ABCs and like the one two threes. So she knows like some of the numbers and some of the alphabets, like the first five or something. So every day she would like write like a new number in like the lettering book and then write a new letter as well. And then she would like write a bunch of them and then she would show me and I'm like, okay, these are in my head. I'm thinking, okay, these are getting progressively uglier. So like I would teach her how to like write, you know, like the letters properly in the numbers. So every day I would teach her how to write a new number like seven or eight or nine. And then every day I would teach her to like write a new letter. So I specifically remember telling her how to write the letter K properly. I think for a four-year-old, it might be, I don't know what age people are supposed to learn how to write the alphabet. But I think maybe when you're four, that's like maybe a little bit too early. Maybe you didn't like, do you do this in like kindergarten, like first grade? What's that? That's when you're like five or six or something like that. Yeah, but she was having a lot of trouble writing the letters, and I was thinking, like, I don't think she's, I think she's too early to do this. But anyways, um, she's a very good liar. I will say that. My nephew um, is not a very good liar, so that could become a problem later in life. But I see that my niece will be very good at lying to boys <laughs> when she gets older, like, because she already is able to, like, lie to my mom's face and lie to my face just, like, straight off. Um, look me in the eye will tell me a lie but sometimes I ask her like I think a couple of times I asked her like oh like do you brush your teeth in the morning and then she would be like yes and then uh, like I can kind of tell she's lying and I'm so I also ask like do you really brush your teeth do you brush your teeth this morning and then she would then say oh grandma didn't help me brush my teeth so I didn't do it this morning things like that but she's very cute again I love that <laughs> I love that my sister has the two kids so that it keeps my mom busy um, but she loves kids. Um, yeah. So anyways, yeah. Otherwise, you know, just spend a lot of time with family in Vancouver. One thing I do like to do when I visit Canada is I like to go to A&W. A&W is a fast food chain. That's a Canadian fast food chain. They're most, uh, well known for root beer. So there's like A&W root beer. I think A&W have some branches in the U.S., maybe in like the east coast or something like that but they're like it's like a canadian thing but the thing is that their burgers are named after like family members so they have like a teen burger and a mama burger and like a papa burger and like all that kind of stuff so the teen burger is like their standard thing it's kind of like the equivalent of like a mcdonald's uh quarter pounder or something but it tastes better 
Um, there's like bacon and lettuce and tomatoes and there's like a patty. So pretty standard, but like it's got, they've got like a, a unique sauce, I guess, and like kind of unique buns that they use. So like when you taste it, it's like, oh, it tastes like an A&W burger because of like the, the buns and the sauce. But um, it's kind of like something I, I will like have because it's something I, I think you can only get in Canada. People talk about Tim Hortons in Canada or like Timmy Ho's, which is like, um, like donuts and coffee and like quick, uh, they do sandwiches as well, but they'll do like donuts and kind of assorted pastries and do coffee. So that's a very Canadian thing, Timmy Ho's. Uh, remember on my uh, college campus, I went to UBC, University of British Columbia, and they have a uh, Tim Hortons uh, on the campus. So it's like very, very popular. Um, so Tim Hortons, I think is what most people think of as like a very uh, Canadian uh, fast food chain. And it is, it's like the most well-known, but because I'm not a big... Uh, drip coffee person and I'm not like a donut person so going to like it's not a thing for me to go to Tim Hortons but like it is a thing for me to go to like A&W because I really like the burgers so um this time when I went to Vancouver uh, I made it a thing to like stop by A&W once it was like uh, like a random afternoon I was like okay I'm hungry so I, uh, uh, I was running some chores doing some shopping for mom so um, I uh, went to this A&W that I've never been to before. It's in this, like, random shopping center where I was, like, picking some things up for mom. And it was in the food court uh, of this shopping center. Um, and I got up there, and the food court, it, it was not a very busy shopping center. It was, like, it was like 4 p.m. on a Wednesday. It was not a busy time for that mall. It was not a very busy mall anyways. And uh, it wasn't a very busy food court. But I walked up there. It's clearly an A&W that doesn't get a lot of traffic. It's a very small A&W. Anyways, I walked up there, and there was, like, just two people in the counter. Behind the counter, they were just, like, chit-chatting, whatever. So I go up, and I um, ordered a teen burger without cheese because I'm off dairy right now. Teen burger uh, without cheese. Uh, make it a meal. And I ordered a Diet Coke, and I ordered fries. You can also get onion rings there, which is pretty good, but I just want fries. Um, so the, and then the guy behind uh, the counter says... Oh, um, do you just want fries or do you want like onion rings? We can make onion rings. So he's kind of trying to like upsell. Usually when I go to any fast food chain like McDonald's or whatever, they never try to upsell. Like every time you go to McDonald's, they're not trying to say like, oh, you ordered a quarter pounder. Do you want to make it a double quarter pounder? Do you want to make it a deluxe quarter pounder? They just take your order and be like, okay, it's seven ninety five. Like, you know, they never try to, like, recommend items or, like, make you... Unless they're out or something, like, oh, we're out of chicken nuggets. What else do you want instead? Um, but they never try to upsell you. But, like, this guy was, like, upselling me. So it was, like, to the onion rings, which are more expensive, but I just said I just want a regular fries. Uh, and then uh, when he asked again, oh, what drink do you want? I said, I want a Diet Coke. Um, and then he goes to, like, fill the Diet Coke, and he's like, oh, the Diet Coke is, like, not good for you. It's not very healthy. And I was like, I did not expect the guy to be giving me commentary and judging me for the Diet Coke not being very healthy when I'm ordering, like, fast food. Like, uh, it, it, uh, A&W is literally just like the equivalent of Madonna. It's just like, like super fast food. It's not healthy. Like, no one calls McDonald's healthy. So it's weird that... First of all, you're telling me that the Diet Coke is unhealthy. But on top of that, you're telling me it's unhealthy when I've ordered a whole, like, burger and fries meal from you. 
And after you're trying to upsell me from the fries to the onion rings, which I assume is probably even less healthy than the regular fries. And we had like a little back and forth. And I, he said like, oh, the Diet Coke isn't very good for you, blah, 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 blah. And then I said like, oh, it's okay. I don't, I don't drink it all the time. And then he, he says something to like continue his argument. And then by the time in my head, I was like, in slight disbelief that he was like telling me and like maybe swing me to like buy get a different drink or something because it's unhealthy or not good for me or whatever that I was like I didn't even process what he said but but all I said was like the Diet Coke is fine to just be like just give me the effing Diet Coke and he's like okay I'll give you the Diet Coke but it was such a weird exchange of like ordering fast food it's like like I'm, I'm ordering something very standard, like the 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 team burger, which is like what you guys always sell, a diet coke, which every place has, and just fries. It wasn't like anything complicated, but yeah, that was like, that was the most. I, I've never been, I've never had anyone try to upsell me on a fast food order, and also tell me that it's unhealthy at the same time, and also be, I guess, at the same time, judge eating there when he's the person that's like selling me the food so it was like a really weird interaction and like once i left i instantly went onto uh social media and like <laughs> just say like well not this guy judging me for my junk food order and telling me that diet coke isn't healthy for me which is like such a it was just just a, a weird interaction so i was like okay i've got to mention that on the podcast for sure it was good podcast material all right, that will take us to the end of the podcast for this week. Again, make sure you subscribe and remember that there is a video version of this podcast on my YouTube channel, Just Joey T, as well as on Spotify. And until next time, bye.